0: But uh, uh, first-time visitors tonight, I know we've got at least one here that's here for the first time. Guys, welcome. It's great to have you here. Hey, there's a, there's a couple of ways of getting credit if you miss the first couple of weeks and not worry about failing the course. Um, at the end of the evening, at the end of every evening, we have a CD of the evening with us, old-time CD where you can listen to tonight's talk. ...and the previous two talks. So we'll have that every week for you right over there. Or you can just go to the Lakeview Christian Center YouTube channel... ...and it'll just scroll down to Alpha and you can catch any of those online. Or if you know somebody that can't come, but they would like to watch Alpha lives... It's, we're, ...we're recording live stream right now. Uh, I don't know where to or to whom, but uh, we are recording live stream right now. And look, I mean, if you make all ten weeks... You will, be, you will receive an amazing commencement award. Some of you have been here before know how amazing it is. Uh, if, you have, uh, if you're live streaming and you can't be here, um, just tell us you've been here 10 weeks. Um, we've actually had somebody parked outside your house every night in an unmarked car. So, um, so we know whether you've been watching or not. But welcome to week three. You know, and as we uh, have discussed in the previous uh, two weeks... Uh, A major aspect and purpose of the Alpha Course is just to get us thinking. We just don't really think that hard about, I mean, we think hard about important things. But if there is something on the other side of our last heartbeat, there's nothing more important to think about than that which we know is going to last forever, uh, as we say. And I've, I've brought this, the dash and the line out. I'll keep bringing this out every week. And those of you who have not been here don't know what the heck am I talking about. But this is... This is, is that a fire alarm? Okay. Uh, this is physical life. It lasts long. We don't know where on the continuum we are. We don't know how, longer, how much longer we have from the beginning to the end of life. But most of us believe that there's something on the other side of our last heartbeat that's going to last forever. We call that the line. So there's this physical life that's very short in the dash. But there's this line that goes on forever. And that's what, that's what we're talking about. Can life make sense in the dash? And can life make sense in the line? And the Bible argues, and as I've said to those of you who've been here every last two weeks, and I say to you guys who've been here for the, here for the first week, don't believe me. I'm not sitting here as an authority for you to believe what I'm saying. I'm really, the idea is to check out why you believe what you believe. And, and, and what's so interesting, too, is that, as we talked about, you'll see this if you watched last week, if you, if you weren't here, you'll see the evidence that supports the Bible. So check this out. If you, know, if you leave here and not believe in any of this, at least you'll find out what the Bible says and what the Bible doesn't say. And so, as we get more into this, we're going to just keep unfolding what does the Bible say. And it's my job to try to just show you, using Scripture, what what the Bible says. And of course, the problem that we have is, I mean, life is just out of control. Are you just feeling like you're just a little bit busy? Just a little bit too busy? Just crazy busy? I mean, how many times do you see that word crazy and busy put together? Just crazy busy. Uh, And we can have a tendency of of assuming or judging too quickly about things that are going to last forever. And we do that without enough evidence or maybe any evidence at all. And I want to I give you just a few videos to kind of drive home the point that judging prematurely or without evidence or maybe even with a built-in prejudice could bring us to the wrong conclusion. So let's watch these videos. I hope we're not judging too quickly. Here's another. Fresh and Fibula. Given a well Saturday. So he could be able to go on tomorrow. Daddy's gonna be so excited. That killed him. So anyway, uh I trust you're here because you're not judging too quickly. Are you going to begin to be judging? Why do I believe that? Why do I not believe that? So, uh, so glad you're here. And it's a fair question to ask ourselves. Here's a fair question, I believe, to ask ourselves. Have we assumed things about Jesus and the Bible without thoughtfully examining what we're banking our forever on, what we're banking our line on? And if, I am, if I'm simply assuming, it, it really begs the question. If I'm assuming things about God, Jesus, the Bible, what happens on the other side of my last heartbeat? I mean, here's, here's a question, and I really want you to think about this. This is maybe a, a ceiling-staring question for you tonight when you get home. Is my faith position about who God is and his acceptance of me based on my definition of who God is, or God's definition of who God is? I mean that that should be a thought-provoking question. Is my faith position, not everybody who's breathing has faith, is my faith position about who God is and his acceptance of me based on my definition of who God is, or God's definition of who God is? Now, so what's your definition? Well, what's God's definition according to the Bible? So that's a question that it, it, I think we really need to, to ask ourselves. And to ask ourselves this, have I critically thought or, or sincerely but presumptuously assumed about God? And personally, me, I, I had sincerely assumed and presumed. And I found myself sincerely, completely wrong. Now tell you a little bit more about myself. Um, growing up, I grew up in a traditional Italian New Orleans family. Every Sunday was church, spaghetti and meatballs, and cannolis. If I had my way, it would be cannolis, <laughs> followed by more cannolis, followed by more cannolis. Jill right? I mean that's what we we're just talking about. And so but my theology was really you know theology what is the study of god theos logo okay but god's the word the study of god my theology was more hear me was more meology okay it was more meology see i had constructed a god who suited me and i worshiped basically i worshiped the bvm now i, I, I don't know if you know the bvm but but um, this is this is the the BVM. Yes, yes, the blessed vending machine, the heavenly blessed vending machine. In my good works, according to my meology, my good works was the currency that I would accrue, so that when I needed something from God, I would have built up enough currency in my pockets so that I could just kaplunk down. Where did my there you are. I could just plunk down my currency, and just like in a vending machine, this is what I want. I put in the currency of my good works. I put in the currency of my not doing the bad, the wrong thing, and I would expect my God to give me what I wanted. That's meology. That's expecting God to give me because I've done that which makes. I don't know why you don't want to stay on the screen. It's just being shy, I guess. Um, I don't. I don't. Uh, so, so here we are. Think about this. Have I thought that my God has to do what I want Him to do? <laughs> Obviously, this God does whatever it wants itself to do. Um, and so, I had made God. The Bible says in, G- in Genesis chapter one twenty six says God says, "Let us make man in our own image," but. That's Genesis 126. Frank 126 was Frank saying, "Let me make God in my own image, God on my terms." So I sincerely believed in God, but I created a God that was to my liking, a God that was manageable, so that he fit into my meology. And so I mean so I realized I have my own meology, and you have your own urology. Well, no, you, you have your I'm sorry. You have your own meology. Sorry about that. You have your own meology. But you think about this in meology, I am greater than God because I am the one that determines what God does or doesn't do based on all the things that I have done. And God basically becomes my servant, He becomes a celestial butler. Who has to do what I want him to do based on what I have done and what I have not done that would be classic meology and that was me to the core and so tonight as we talk about why did Jesus die it may seem like a question that most of us Americans know the answer to but I'm telling you I grew up in America I grew up going to church and I had no idea So tonight, you may be surprised a little bit about what you hear. But I hope we just enter into this evening with an open heart and an open mind to see what the Bible has to say about why Jesus died. But according to the Bible, this question, why did Jesus die? The answer that you and I give in faith to this question has got to be correct. It's the most important answer you and I will ever have to give. And if it's true, if the Bible is true, our lives in the dash and on the other side of our last heartbeat are going to depend upon how we answer that question. It was John Stott, famous author, Christian leader, that said this. He said, the reason why, this is me. This is another thing. This is so close to me. The reason why so many people give the wrong answers to questions about the cross, in other words, why Jesus died, and even ask the wrong questions, is that they have carefully considered, one, neither the seriousness of sin, nor the majesty of God. Two things here. Consider neither how serious sin is, maybe not in my eyes, I don't, do you see your sin serious? Okay, first off, what is sin? Let's just define the term for a minute. Sin is basically, when you translate that into the original Greek language, the word sin simply means to miss the mark, like an archer missing the target. It means to miss the mark, to to fall short. And so it's translated as one that does not line up in in accordance with what God declares right. So... So, had neither considered neither the seriousness of sin, have you considered that? From whose perspective? Again, i is it my perspective that counts? Or is there another perspective that of God's that is I found in the scripture that may be different than mine? So, I would never considered the seriousness of sin nor the majesty of God. So, I never would put my, myself down that much, but I never would lift God up that much to see that, does this really offend him? Is he really paying any Well, according to the Bible, he's paying rapt attention to every one of us in this room. He knows everything. If what the Bible says is true, he knows everything there is to know about every one of us. So here's the question. Have you carefully considered either the seriousness of sin or have you considered the majesty, how majestic God is? I had not for a moment. I had my own meological perspective that put everything in nice little compartments. I had never given any consideration that God had a perspective that may be different than mine. Because I had no clue that the Bible contradicted my meology. So here's the problem. We're on page 20 in our manuals. If you want to go there with me, we're going to Take some time in here, and I'll go in and out of this. But here's the problem. God is holy. Okay, there's another word. What the heck is holy? All right? God is holy. He is 100% of the time right. He is 100% of the time just. He is 100% of the time perfect. God is holy The problem with that is not that God is holy. The problem with that is that we are not. Not so much. The God of the Bible says that you and I have fallen short of that which allows him as a holy God to accept this. Now, here, let me catch your attention just for a moment if I'm losing you. I'm about to give you some really bad news. You know, you go to a doctor's office. um, He may have bad news for you. You don't want to hear that. You want a very short visit where he says everything is fine and you can leave. Okay. I'm about to give you biblical news here that maybe we don't want to hear. But hang with me. Listen again with an open mind and an open heart to hear what the Bible says. Whether you believe it or not. Listen. Hear what it has to say. And watch what happens when we turn the corner. Okay. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote to the, Roman, the Romans, okay, first century. Not, this is not talking about the Roman Catholic Church. This is first century church, churches in Rome. This is what Paul said. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, all have sinned. That means, all means what? That's what they, Thank you. That means everybody. That means, uh, Giselle, you've sinned. See, I don't mind if all have sinned. It's just when you start pointing at me. Okay, Matt, sorry. You know, it's just, it's just the way it is. All of us, according to the Bible, have sinned, have missed the mark, and fallen short of that which is acceptable to God. Okay, so all of us have, again, sinned. Let's just get specific. Anybody want to shout out some, don't, don't do that. Um, all of us have lied. All of us have stolen. All of us have envied. All of us have wanted to be God. All of us have been prideful critical every one of us and the result of that according to the bible we are not acceptable to a holy god see god's acceptable score is no less than a hundred percent god's god's acceptable score for acceptance is no less than a hundred percent a hundred percent of the time ouch here's another one to make you feel really good There is none righteous, not even one. Okay, there's none. This word righteous, righteous means to be judicially perfect. Judicially, legally perfect is what that means. So there is none, not even one. Now, you or I may may consider ourselves better than certain people. But there's a comparison that I don't like when God holds me up against His Son. I mean, we'll talk next week about how we like to compare ourselves to others. So many, a certain believe as I did that the way—and I've watched this. Ask people the question. I mean, think about this in your mind right now. Ask you the question: How do you get to go to heaven? Now, most people will answer that question. I've seen it answered. And you're going to recognize this if this isn't your answer. You keep the Ten Commandments, right? A lot of people say that. Well, let me ask you this question. How many of you know what the Ten Commandments are? Well, Maybe even better. Just go ahead. Just How many of you kept the Ten Commandments? So, so we don't even know what they are. Most of us. Matter of fact, there was a survey that was done a few years ago. This is a great survey. A little over 1,000 people. The question was asked, how many of you know all 10 commandments? How many people? So out of the little over 1,000, 14% knew all 10, which I think that's a pretty good number. You know, 140 people knew all 10 of them. Um, But 80% knew this. Two all beef patties, special sauce. Lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Hallelujah. <laughs> so it appears, it appears that more people were less aware of how to get through the pearly gates than they were the golden arches. <laughs> Laugh track, Mike, please. <laughs> Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you Okay So, how good, how good do you, okay The question would be, I could ask, my question, my, ask myself this question ask, your, ask yourself this question I don't know if you've ever asked yourself this question before But here is the opportunity, you can mark this down October 5th, 2021, at 820, 720 I ask myself this question How good do you think you are? How good do you think you are? Well, you may ask, compared to whom? But I'm not asking you that. How good do you think you are? Okay, well, let me just give you some better news. You're worse than you think you are. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, let me just give you a quick little illustration. Let's say from that you could hoist a thought monitor on the top of your head. Okay? Okay. And, every, and and there's a little USB port that just connects right here. I don't know if you can see it. My hair's covering it. There's a little USB port that connects here. And everything you think is shown on the thought monitor. So, you know, so you, so you get up with your kids, you know, or, or maybe when you were a kid. And uh, maybe you did this. I don't know if you ever snuck out of the house or not. But the parents, you know, it's, you're at the breakfast table. How'd you sleep, son? Oh, I slept great, mom, dad, thanks. And on the the thought monitor, here you are, just raising the window, going down the second, down the ladder, and out you go. It's like, you're done. Or what if the wife comes home, she's just bought a dress, and she's tried it on for you, and um, she calls you into the room, and she says, "Um, sweetheart, Do do you think this dress makes my, my butt look big? And you say, oh, no, sweetheart. You fit perfectly into that. And up on the thought monitor is this picture of a sausage factory where they're just loading into the lining. So, but, you know, we think... I mean, we think things are divisive now on this planet. Yeah. Could you imagine if a thought monitor was, was hoisted up over every one of our heads? But again, it's, it's, what we think is what's, what's so often found in us. And I had no idea that the Bible doesn't give me credit for not saying it. <laughs> uh, so let's just continue with this issue, this problem, um, this evidence of sin. Here's, again, another a scripture that really got me. Jesus, in the Gospel of Mark, is recorded as saying that sin, this missing the mark, this this wanting what I want when I want it and the heck with you, he says this, from within, out of, now catch this, out of the heart of men, out of the heart of women, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, Coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. And I can relate to many, many of those. All these things, Jesus says, come from within and they defile a person. Do you know what defile means? It means to make unacceptable. To make unacceptable so i am guilty of so many of these things if they've not been acted out they've probably been thought out and so so we see here there is a pollution of us the bible says of sin there's and then there's a there's a penalty okay so there's a pollution we just talked about that it comes from within our hearts but there's a penalty as a result of it and the bible says Paul writes to the church in Rome, he says the wages of sin is death. Wages are what? Wages are something you you earn, right? You say you get your wages, you've earned them. The wages of missing the mark, Paul writes, is death. Now in the Bible, death is not annihilation, death is separation. So if we go back to Genesis for a moment, chapter 2, God says, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, when they took a bite from the fruit, they didn't drop over. They didn't die physically to their bodies yet. They didn't die in the relationship with with one another yet. But immediately they died in their relationship with God. They had sinned and come short of that which is acceptable. And they had transgressed the loving law of a holy, just God. So the penalty is the wage of sin, is separation from God. So here's, here's what I'm telling you. In this line, in the, in, in the dash here, the wages of sin, the other side of our last heartbeat, is not good news of what the Bible has to say. The wages of sin is separation from from god the question is is there an answer for that and we're going to get to that in just a moment but let's also look at this pollution penalty partition this is isaiah this is some 700 years before jesus walked the earth the prophet isaiah wrote this he says behold the lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save neither is his ear so dull that it cannot hear but your iniquities that's just a nine dollar word for sin you're falling short you're wanting what you want when you want it, and the heck with anybody else, have made a separation between you and your God. They have caused you to create a myology whereby you try to make sense of God based on yourself, not based on God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Your iniquities have made a separation. So the Bible tells us there's this massive chasm, if you will, it's just a picture between a holy God and unholy us. And what is there? Is there anything that brings an answer to that? see, the chasm of separation between God and man tells me that I may have a dash problem, but I've got, I got a line problem, right? If this is going to last a whole lot longer then life in the dash. I got a line problem. And guess what the Bible says? If you get the line problem corrected, you get the dash problem corrected as well. Because God says, knowing him is not just about going to heaven when your heart stops. It's about knowing him while your heart's still beating and experiencing him then. So, but here's the thing. So all religions basically have this what's called a validating performance record, a record of achievement, a record whereby you are validated by your performance. That's every religion in the world. Now, I'm going to just give you a... a, Anybody ever take comparative religion in school? Nobody? Okay, well, I'm about to give you a five-minute comparative religion class. All right, so you can say you've been through a comparative religion class. So, on this side, we're going to have the world religions. On this side, we're going to have Christianity, which obviously is a religion as all. Well. So, every religion in the world, again, don't believe me, check this out. Every religion in the world, right, says man is here, God is here. Remember, we talk about that chasm. Well, how are you going to forward that chasm? How are we going to bridge that chasm? See, in every one of them, we just hope that we keep the rules to get close enough, and then maybe God will make up the difference. Okay, we'll talk about that a lot next week, but here's some of the religions that we talk about: Islam, Hinduism, Mormonism, Buddhism, the ever-growing faith of whatever, you know, whatever. I don't know. Um, so, so every one of these, every one, every one of these faith positions, whether it's the, um, whether it's Islam, the, the the five pillars of faith, whether it's the eightfold path of of uh, enlightenment for Buddhists. Um, I mean, we could just go into all of these. Every one of them says it's incumbent upon you to be good enough, according to the doctrine or the Dharma or the dogma of your religion, to hopefully, hopefully be good enough for God to accept you. You keep the rules and God will have to accept you. Hopefully. Okay, now, hear me, maybe true. Maybe one of these in here with its validating performance record religion may be true. Let me just show you. Christianity says the exact opposite. Biblical Christianity says the exact opposite. That God is here and we are here and God knows we, God knows, we have no capacity in and of ourselves to be perfect as he is perfect. And so what does he do? Bible says, out of his great love for us, he sends his son to be the payment for our wanting what we want, when we want it, and the heck with you. He pays the price for our rebellion and wanting to be as God, wanting to be great meologists, And so... We see here the problem, but now, but let's just talk about the solution. There's a great solution according to the Bible. And if, let me tell you, if the Bible is true, you will never hear greater news than this. If it's true, there's no greater news you'll ever hear. I'm just, I'm just telling you. It's just not possible to hear anything greater than this if it's true. So... In Peter's letter, the, the Apostle Peter, his first letter to the church, wrote two, churches to the, uh, two, two letters to the church. In his first letter, he wrote this about Jesus. And he himself bore, carried our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, you were Healed. Got that? All right, let's talk about that for a minute. So he bore our sins. He took our punishment, our sinfulness in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin. Now what? The wages of sin is, do you remember what that is? The wages of sin is death, okay, which is separation from God. So he bore our sins so that we may not die to God anymore, but die to sin, so just picture for a minute, we, our lives are plugged in to sin. Okay, so let's just say my fingers here are a plug and this is a wall socket. And we are, when we're born, we're born physically alive, the Bible says. We're born spiritually dead in terms of our relationship with God. So we're plugged into sin. We're plugged into se- to separation from God. And next week I'll go into a little bit more about this, which will hopefully make it make even more sense so we 're plugged in by virtue of our physical birth into death, so that we might die to sin, okay be separated from sin, and then let 's call this righteousness i 'm now this is my outlet, and this this is the plug and plug into or li- alive to righteousness, so God says Christ comes to pull us out of sin and put him into himself, put him into Uh, us into his righteousness. He came to bore, bore, to bear rather, our sins in his body so that we would be spiritually, as it pertains to God, healed. He did that. He doesn't say my church attendance does that. He doesn't say my many prayers. He doesn't say my reading the Bible. He says he does that. Everything that Jesus talks about is immensely personal. And so, unplugged from death and plugged into life. Here's another passage from 1 Peter in the third chapter. It says, for Christ died for sins, okay, for our rebellion, once, one time, he's not going to get up on the cross over and over again, one time for all, the righteous, that would be him, for the unrighteous, yeah, you're right, that would be you, um, to do what? To bring you to God. This is so amazing. Not just to forgive you. Not just to say, okay, your sins are forgiven. Now go away. Go play over the corner. Look at what it says. For Christ died for sins. And just forget this for minute. To do what? To bring you to God. Okay, so this holy God in ways in which you and I cannot even imagine if, if what the Bible is telling us is true. Jesus dies not just so that we can be forgiven, but that he can bring us to God, telling us we're, we're accepted, we're welcomed, we're wanted by God. Who does the bringing here? Do you do the bringing? Does, do you, does your myological relativism bring the welcoming, do the bringing? Well, according to the Bible, Christ does this so he can grab you, Joseph, and bring you to God, bring you to Christ, make you and me acceptable. The Bible declares that very clearly. So, so again, in biblical Christianity, Jesus brings me to God. In my theology... I bring myself to God with my validating performance record. Here's a challenge. The Bible disagrees with me if I believe my record of performance validates me before God. Do you see that? And those two cannot be true. It cannot be my efforts, and that's the way it is, or God's efforts because those two cannot be true because they're completely contrarian. Completely contrary. Not just forgiven, if what the Bible says is true. God says, I want you to hang out with me. I want to hang out with you. I want you to know me in the dash so that you can experience life in the line forever like you cannot even begin to imagine. I had no idea of any of that. Can I tell you? I was clueless. Totally clueless. And then I joined the wildest fraternity on campus. And scared to death, I said, I better find out what this God is all about because I may not make it through Hell Week. Um, no, I, I did. But here's a scripture that really wrapped it up for me. Paul, the Apostle Paul writes to the, the church in the region of Galatia. Now now hear this, because this speaks of the contrarianness of meology, religious meology, sincere Religious theology and biblical Christianity. Paul says this, because there was nobody more religious than the Apostle Paul. If you ever want to do a little study on Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the Apostle, who wrote 13 books of the New Testament. He says, I don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. Okay, let's define terms again. I don't treat the grace. What is grace? Okay, oh, you guys are so smart. Okay, uh, unmerited favor. It's receiving that which... You don't deserve, okay? Receiving that which I do not deserve. So I don't treat the unmerited favor of God as meaningless. Now catch this. For if keeping the law, okay, the Ten Commandments and all the other rules, by keeping the law, I could make myself right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Have you ever thought about that? If you and I could just be good enough, there was no reason for Jesus to die. If we could just do our best. I mean, Jesus didn't have to come be a crucified Savior. He could have just come and been a life coach. Just give us a few more commands. Just a little pep talk. Pop us on the butt. And you go get him, guy. But he didn't do that. If I could be good enough, For God to accept me. And all my religious activities. And all my religious givings. And all my religious sacrifices. Then it was a waste of time. Do you hear that? It was a waste of time for Christ to die. Let me just take you to the garden real quickly. Jesus said, you may know this. You may have heard this. Father, if there is any other way. If there's any other way. Cause this cup to pass from me. Just let me go with that and not unpack that fully for you. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will. See, in other words, there was no other way. Somebody's got to pay the penalty. Christ came and paid my penalty, your penalty, according to what the scripture says. He loves you and me that much. So, so let me just read this to you. Jesus did not come to simply be an example, impossible to emulate. He came to be our Savior. Validating performance record religion gives us rules and laws for us to attempt to improve our self-determining but VPR religion does not give us a savior to receive because in validating performance record religion we don't need to be saved we just need to be improved It's a total difference but how improved? let me ask you the question Lie awake in bed tonight, look at the ceiling and go, how improved, how good do I have to be? See, the Bible says Jesus accomplished for us what we in a million lifetimes, a million reincarnations could not accomplish for ourselves. Because God, unlike us, is perfect in all of his ways, all of the time. I want to just kind of, as we're getting ready to close here, just want to bring you a couple of thoughts here. I want to just bring out what are the attributes of God? What are the character of God? What does the Bible teach is God's character? Well, the Bible says, and you're going to be familiar with some of these, um, God is love, okay? We love that God is love, sure. It also says that God is holy. God is merciful, or he's mercy, Yes. The Bible also teaches that God is all wisdom. There is, God is wise in all his ways. He's all knowledge. There's nothing that God doesn't know. He's patient. So grateful. Every one of us sitting here tonight, breathing is proof. I know I am proof that God is very patient. Very patient. But here's another one. God is justice. I mean, how many bumper stickers do you see with that? God is justice. I don't say, God is love, God is merciful. I like those attributes. But the Bible tells me that as loving as God is, he is as just. But here's the question. How can God be both at the same time? How can God be merciful and just at the same time? Doesn't he have to compromise one at the expense of the other? Let me just give you a small example. Um... Let's just say, Chad, I know you're a busy man. I know you are constantly having to get things done. And one day you are flying to a job interview. I know, sorry, but I'm I'm supposed to tell you. You've been fired. Um, So you're flying to a job interview. You're flying to a job interview right through a school zone, going 50 miles an hour. You get pulled over. You get ticketed. You get called into court. Um, the penalty for um, speeding in a that fast in a school zone is ten thousand dollars. Now, Chad's fallen on some hard times, and so, but Chad is in my court, and I know Chad from way back, and I'm the judge. Now, I know you would typically I would typically recuse myself, but this is Louisiana, and so doesn't matter um so um so i said so i say to chad chad how do you how do you plead and he said well your honor um i, I was going on a job interview I, I i needed i just needed this job i just wasn't paying attention i was thinking about the interview and uh, and i go well approach the bench and chad approaches the bench and i go chad what the heck are you thinking about 50 miles an hour in a school zone. That's crazy. But look, I'm going to let you go this time, but don't ever let me find you in my court again. Now, how's Chad feeling about that? Pretty good. How do you think the parents of the children are feeling about that? Kicked. But but did I not exhibit mercy to my friend Chad? Sure. How justice do? Well, let's go back into the courtroom. Um, how do you plead? Uh, well, I'm, you know, I, this is what happened. I said, "Chad, I'm sorry. The Fine is ten thousand dollars. Pay the bailiff. Justice satisfied? Sure. How'd mercy do? Not at all. So, but here's the biblical." answer to this this is how God is both just and the one who justifies because I love Chad so much I being the the righteous judge I come from behind the bench I take off my judicial robes I pull my checkbook or my Venmo out of my back pocket and I write a check for ten thousand dollars and give it to the bailiff has justice been satisfied sure has the fine is $10,000 paid has mercy been exercised yes it has God becomes both the one who justs and the one who justifies this is what again Paul writes he says remember this for all have sinned we talked about this early on and fallen short of the glory of God that which is acceptable to God but look at what it says here Just a few verses later, and are justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption. What's redemption? Remember SNH green stamps? Remember that? Top value stamps, right? Okay. It's it's buying back. Okay? Through the redemption. He bought us back. Where is that found? It's found in the cross of Christ Jesus. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness, his holiness. His perfection at the present time so as to be, here it is, just. Let's go back to the courtroom. The just judge and the one who justifies, shows mercy, those who have faith in Jesus. Now, let's just go back to the court for a minute because this is very important. So when I pull off my judicial robes to pay the penalty, Chad can say, uh-uh, pal. I'm not going to be indebted to you. I don't need you. I can do this myself. I'll find some way to pay this off. Or he can humble himself and receive the gift. Uh, This word right here, if if this is true, the word gift nullifies a validating performance record. It can't be a gift and both earned. I mean, at Christmas time, do you... It, with your kids or whatever, do you stand there with a cash register every time they take a gift out from under the table, under the, under the tree? Of course not. It's a gift. I, at least I hope you don't. You, um, it's a gift. You don't pay for gifts. So if, if I were to want to say right now, if I had this and, um, and, and this was if, Gina, if this was something you really needed, you needed this badly, it was going to save your life, and, I, and I'd work to give this to you and I want you to have this. It'll save your life. Would you like to have it? How much is it going to cost you if it's a gift? It's not going to cost you anything if it's a gift. How hard do you have to work for it if it's a gift? You don't have to work for it if it's a gift, or it's not a gift. You can't, by definition, a gift is a gift. If it's worked for or earned, it's not a gift. See, and so, but how good does this gift do me, or rather do Gina, as when it's in my hands and she wants it. When does it do her good? When she accepts it. See, the Bible says to as many as received him, what he did on the cross for us, to those who believed in his name, to them he gave the right to become someone they were not before. And this is really, this is where we're going to kind of spend a lot of time next Week. So when we respond, we receive. We receive the remedy. And you may want to just look at this on page 21 of your manual, because I'm just going to fly through this, because I am rapidly running out of time. So page 21, here's the result. Again, if the Bible is true, this is is amazing. Top of page 21. The cross shows. Please put your name here, would you? You. You. What's your name? Melissa. You are infinitely valuable to God. Jesus is a supreme example of love. God came down into our suffering. He himself suffering. So that we would not eternally suffer. The powers of evil defeated. The resurrection wasn't the reversal of a defeat. It was the manifestation of of a victory. The partition, the separation has been removed. The penalty has been paid. We have been justified, made legally not guilty. The power of sin over my life has been broken. We're going to talk much more about this. And then the pollution of sin has been removed when I receive Christ because the Bible tells me that God gives me, we'll talk about this much more next week and in week eight, that God gives me, if you will, a new heart. That's something that has to be unpacked as well. And so when we see the scripture, which many of you have, have heard, and we talked about this um, before, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have Eternal life. So he loved the world that it, he, who gave, he gave his son that whoever believes in him should not perish, should not die. And let me just take you back to this this scripture here. Remember this, for the wages of sin is death, but the free... There's that word again. Gift of God is eternal life for those who are... But we're going to spend a lot of time with this little word next week. I-N. Who are in Christ Jesus. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is being unplugged from death and plugged into God's life and being, having been accepted, welcomed, and wanted by Him. The free gift is not just life in the dash, but life beyond what you and I can even imagine forever. That's the claim. That is the claim. So, so what you, you may be asking the question, so... What do I do here? Well, first off, know this. For God so loved... Not just the world. Okay? For God so loved you. Just put your name right there, would you? For God so loved you, Taylor. For God so loved you, BJ, Don. God so loved you, Ronnie, that he gave his son to you, that if you, put your name there, would believe in him, again, next week we'll spend time in believing what believe means... You will not perish, be eternally separated from God, but you will have eternal life. Now, I want to do this. I want, what do you do? Okay, Frank, you've, 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 you've thrown up on me for 55 minutes. Um, <laughs> we've talked about a lot. And a lot of this may be, I ain't never heard this before in my life. I don't know. And so, take a deep breath. Um, what do I do with that? Well, the Bible simply says, if, if you want Christ, just ask him to come in. Because there's something that takes place in your heart. You want to say it with, with your mouth. And so, um, there's some, some cards tonight that we'll give you at the tables afterwards. But... The night I said, okay, you can have my life. I'm not doing much with this but making a mess. And I'm not saying these are the words that I pray, but it was simple like this. Now, what I'm putting up on the screen here is a, a prayer. Doesn't that sound so holy? It's just talking to God. What's prayer? Talking to God. We'll talk about that in week six. What is prayer? How do we pray? But this is something that I just think based on the context of where we are tonight this could be something that you could read, but don't read it with your head. Read it with your heart. If you realize that your meology has left you bankrupt, that those empty areas of your life have not been filled by your deepest exercise of faith, sincere faith, then just communicate with God. This is just communicating with God. This is. This is something that I wrote here. God, I know that I have been a meologist. I didn't know that, but I know now. I've been a meologist trying to improve and save myself on my own terms, not yours. But tonight, I realize that I need you to be my Savior. I cannot save myself. I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead on the third day. By faith, I humbly receive your gift of eternal life. Lord Jesus, I am ready to trust you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming to earth to save even me. Thank you for bearing my sins and giving me the gift of eternal life. I believe your words are true. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my Lord and my Savior, now and forever. Amen. Now we're going to have got a little cards for you if you just want to just think about those words. Maybe you prayed those words even now. Well, if you meant that, God just did a miraculous work in you. We've got a little booklet for you tonight too that your table host will give you a little book called How Good Are You? So if you didn't pay attention to me at all tonight, uh, you can catch everything that I said in 56 minutes uh, in that little book. Um, next week, I, okay, look, just come back one more week. All right, I know I say that every week. Just come back, do not miss next week. Here's the thing: um, Can I be sure about what I believe? Does the Bible say I can be sure about what I believe? What does the Bible say about that? Let me tell you, this is important to hear what we're going to talk about next week. So I think every week, has been, everything we've talked about has been important to hear. I hope that there's been some, some semblance of clarity in this. But you know what? If you're confused, I don't mind you being confused if it's going to draw us to think together. So... Um, And if you're online tonight, you can go to, if you're you're watching live stream, you can go to the Lakeview Christian Center app. You can just go to the Apple store, get the Lakeview Christian Center app for free. Scroll to the Alpha course, week three, fall Alpha, and then week three, and you'll have discussion questions there that you can just ask yourself if you're just watching alone or if you're with a group of people, you guys can ask those amongst one another. But next week, we'll be in session four, how can I have faith? How can I be sure of my faith? Be sure of my faith. So I want to thank you all for being here tonight. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We got coffee, water, other stuff, and let's get back to our tables, have a little conversation. We'll get done at about eight forty-five. Thank you all for being here.